0: Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Anshad.net. Interview 8. Chess in School with Fichel.ie Hello, hello. You are welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from OnShaw.net. This is Simon Lewis speaking. Um, As some of you might know, if you're regular listeners to this podcast, um, yours truly was a bit of a a fan of chess as a child. I um, went to a school called Stratford uh, National School, which probably means very little to most people, but it has two things uh, about it that people might be interested in one it's the only jewish school in ireland uh, and um, that's uh, interesting in some ways but number two when i went there in the 1980s and early 90s it was uh the all ireland a uh, chess champion school for about six or seven years in a row and i was the captain of the chess team in primary school and uh this uh, so I was very very happy to hear from a group called Fickle and uh, those of you who speak Irish um, as most of you probably do, one know Fickle is the Irish for chess and I have uh, two uh, very special guests, the chairperson of uh, Fihill and the secretary of Fihill, uh, Damien Fallon and Liam Murray. Uh, Damien, uh, is a teaching principal down in Cork and he is the chair of Fihill. and I also have Liam Murray who is the secretary he's a primary school teacher in Kinsale in Cork as well so I'm delighted to be joined by both of you and thanks for coming on to the podcast I'm, I'm, I'm really it's not often I get to talk about chess but before we do um, maybe uh, Damon you could tell us a little about yourself and your career and um, and how you how you came to being here
1: yeah, thanks for the welcome, Simon. Uh, we're, I suppose, myself and me, we're both founding members of Phil, uh, an organisation, like I said, we're made up of, entirely of volunteer, volunteer teachers who see the benefits in, uh, that chess brings to children in the school setting. So my own background, I uh, went to college in UCC, uh, I did Gaeilge, and then worked to the Bursa Charity for a spell after that, and went over to Camarland, did a postgrad over there, and came home. I'm originally from Wexford and came home and started teaching in Cushionstown. I spent uh nine wonderful years there and then went for a principalship uh down in Cork. Uh why else would one move west, you ask? And uh so my wife lives down here. We live in Castle Lines. Uh I'm teaching principal now for eleven years in Killevolen, just outside Mallow. Uh lovely spot, country school hundred and 37 children on roll at the moment and yeah just loving teaching loving the job 90 percent of the time and uh yeah here to talk about chess let's get stuck in
0: absolutely yeah i mean we could talk about teaching principalship but that would be very very stressful let's Ooh. do nice and talk about chess but before we do liam tell us about your story
2: yeah um so thanks very much simon i'm a uh, primary school teacher teaching sixth class at the moment in Kinsale in County Cork and I suppose I came from, from a, a winding road as well similar to Damien. I started off um, in DCU many moons ago now um, studying finance and kind of actuarial studies and I quickly realised through some volunteer work I was doing that this wasn't this wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. Um, so I found, I found my way back to teaching um, via um, some charity work with, with Barristone as well. Um, so I worked in Kildare for three happy years and just like Damien, I found myself a, a good Cork woman to give me a reason yeah. to move home to Cork as well. And um, so I've been teaching in Cork for the last four years now um, in Little Island and in Kinsale since then as well. And yeah, I love teaching. Um, it's a fantastic career. And then the the opportunity with Phil then is to do something, I suppose, to have a, a, a more broader impact across education as well, which kind of really is really motivating and very rewarding as well.
0: Mm, brilliant, brilliant. So, Liam, while I have you there chess tell me what, what, what's the where did the passion for chess come from
2: it's an interesting one actually for me because um when i was younger i played a lot of drafts uh, which is sometimes it's known as like the poor man's chess <laughs> kind of a you know kind of a dragger kind of ma- manner but uh, i played a lot of drafts with, m- with my granny actually and someone actually pulled out a chess set one day when i was maybe eight or nine and said oh this is chess you know you might like this and this piece does that and this piece does that and i thought wow this is w- really complicated way more complicated than drafts. I don't like it yeah. um and it was actually I left it for I didn't ignore chess for many years then and it was actually when I was going to college at DCU on the, on, on the train from Cork uh, I had a laptop and one of the only things on the laptop this is pre-Wi-Fi times now yeah. there's a game called chess titans on it so yeah. I just started playing a bit of chess on that and I kind of quickly got to grips with it I suppose and kind of enjoyed playing it um and then when I started teaching Actually I was, I was doing the postgrad in, in Mary Eye in Limerick and we had maybe three or four weeks free and I had done you know some work around like how would I teach chess in primary schools. Mm-hmm. So I come from a non kind of teaching kind of background, like none of my family are teachers. So mm-hmm. I was very conscious to get get my name in there to schools. Yeah. Um so I had three weeks and I said, right, I'll go into to a school one day, eat uh, for each of the 15 days and I'll I'll give a free workshop and this will get me, you know, great kudos with uh, with principals and like the, 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 the day is obviously filled out very quickly people are very interested mm. but what, what was really striking was every single day the teacher would come to me and say I can't believe this student likes it or this student gets it or mm. this student is really taken by it and we like obviously in the classroom you know ourselves, you've got varying degrees of ability and interest and backgrounds we had children from every sort of background really interested in this and I thought there's something here there's some there's some bit of magic behind this game it's you know it's Non reading, non writing, and I thought like there must be more. There must be more in this, and we need to spread the word. So I was very adamant when I started teaching and to actually start developing it. But like going back to your question about the love of chess, I'm not a very good chess player at all. I'm a very average chess player. I'm, so, I'm sure Simon, you'd you'd destroy me. Uh, in a few <laughs>
0: um,
2: but my love of chess is more so like in passing the game on and seeing the benefits of it for children in schools. Wow! Well,
0: no, that's brilliant. I, I love how you um. You you almost to get your job. You were almost chess-like in your determination. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's brilliant. But definitely, I want to talk to you about the curriculum in a little while. But uh, before that, uh, Damien, what, what about your? Where's your? What's your chess story? Yeah,
1: it so was similar to Liam. It was uh, an elder and was my father in my case who uh, started. He taught me how to play, and we used to play games, long, long games on, a, on winter evenings. My dad loves a good long game of chess <laughs> and uh, by the fire. Yeah, so a very, very fond memory. And then as a pupil, I suppose, my only experience of chess in school was in Skullnilani in St Ryan. I went to Ring mm. uh, for a, wrong, a shock to boarding school for a year. And, you know, as it, like in similar to Irish college, they, they run a host of uh, extracurricular activities after, after classes, after school and you know the usual team sports but they would have had chess and drafts and table tennis you know for more of that one to one and i love the all play all leagues uh, so even though i was never very successful i think it was the the rotation of opponents and you know the chance for for kind of one-to-one chats and that was that i really loved that element to it which maybe is even on, even tennis we used to do tennis there's still a you can get the same chat that you'd have at the, at the at the table when you're sitting at the table with somebody mm. uh, so that was something that, that uh, i really liked then i got a i suppose older got a came back from college in first year of christmas and my parents got me a fab wooden board uh which I still have and i i really treasure it and that became my my late night weapon then in college when we'd all get home from a night out the, the board would come out and <laughs> what little what little chess knowledge i had i try and take advantage uh in a in the late hours to win some games and my tactic in chess would be uh just wait for my opponent to make some kind of blunder rather than having any huge strategy myself i'm i wouldn't be a very strong player but again it's how the benefits that chess can offer in school and uh you know i suppose when i started traveling then and started getting a bit of money you could see how you know chess could cross borders you know borders mm. age language uh you know i've played across europe and different you know pubs around the street or and it's it's just this was backgammon or there are other board games as well but chess just seems to be the, the number one uh game in that regard
0: yeah that, that reminds it, me of um yeah when i was i was a student i went into railing and uh we were in, in budapest and we went to a a, a swimming pool outdoor swimming pool all places and there's all these old men with chessboards on the side all playing and I and I remember playing a game with some old man uh in, in a swimming pool in, in Budapest of all you know it's, it, that sounds like a really um odd kind of story but it's it is interesting how it does cross all boundaries and even uh yeah. Yeah, even even um I don't know surfaces as such um yeah so sorry I interrupted you there
1: yeah no no yes yeah exactly and um and I think you know again from the school perspective is it was those for me it's uh it's yes, it's chess, but it's it's all the extras that chess brings. And the many leagues, they were they were the hook for me. I went to you know the in, I went to school in St Canice's in Burke in Uros, and they were big on table tennis. No. And they were you know they had all Ireland champions. The works, they were they were serious on table tennis. And mm. we played. They had lunchtime leagues. You could play in the morning when you come into school, and everyone was constantly playing someone else. And with the all alls, you're not knocked out. You know bad game you're playing someone else the next game so it's just repeated playing over and over and that was you know it's that draw for me and i went to irish college then as well through my teens uh, summer college and again loads of you know the enjoyment uh, and the camaraderie from those arranged leagues Mm. was a was a huge aspect so the rotation bringing students together across the table and when i started teaching i knew i wanted to bring that element into my classroom and into my school yeah Uh, so the team sports in general i suppose um particularly ga and they're all so well catered for the team sports in schools Mm. these days you know and schools strive to provide i suppose as many opportunities as possible for children be it orienteering or a host of workshops on offer coding clubs after school clubs
0: yeah music
1: drama you know loads chess just has has that something extra in the school environment there's a there's a versatility that escapes the others i think just a board and pieces and a space for two children to play at yeah. the root level that's that's all you need and you can add you can layer that up then as much as you like if two children can play by themselves at break in the corner of the class they can play as a whole class as teachers into a lunchtime league a whole school league mm-hmm. they can you know go to play other schools in tournaments Uh, And then from first class up, you know that that, they can. It's from such a young age, so it can be immensely inclusive. And I think that's for me that that's more so than the chess itself it's all those extra elements that it brings that are the hook for me yeah
0: yeah no it's it's it's, it's a fine game and is it you know the gosh you're, you're you're both of you there the passion is is there i suppose it's only fair that i i tell my chess story a little bit anyway but kind of i i think it was just something you said there um damien but the, the school in new ross with the table tennis i assume that kind of came from one particular teacher um, who a priest, actually. Yeah. Priest, well, uh, there you go. Well, I mean, priests and teachers have a lot in common, I suppose. And, um, you know, they're, they're um, you know, can take one, you know, one kind of figure in a school to really influence it. And um, I suppose my story in a way is, is from one such person. Certainly wasn't a priest, uh, but she was uh, um, a very well-known uh, person in, in, in chess circles and schools. Uh, I was lucky enough uh, to be taught. By um, a a woman called April Cronin, who I I know you're both uh, familiar with. Um, she was my teacher in third and fourth class. But before she was my teacher in third and fourth class, I was in first class when I learned how to play chess. And much like what you were saying there, Damien, like every single moment spare moment of the day that wasn't covered by the curriculum, there was something chess-like going on. I remember, I I I, I mean, I was obviously it's a long time ago now, but over you know over thirty years ago, but I remember there were chess was being played by everybody There's nearly everybody I think in the school was playing chess at some level in that in, in in the school it was a small enough school but at the same time to have nearly 80 90 people at uh, young children playing uh, that every day and I just I, I became very addicted to it and um, and then you know was able to go on up the levels um quite naturally and april was just i suppose i, I everyone says you know there. you know who was the teacher that inspired you to be whatever you are in life and i always say that april was my uh inspiration i, I suppose she didn't make me become a teacher now uh, I, I wouldn't say that but she uh, she definitely um i can owe a lot um, outside of chess because it is that outside stuff the chess gives you I remember some of the things she would have said to me because I was quite impulsive still I'm quite impulsive sit in your hands Simon because uh, you know that was <laughs> one thing I <laughs> because I was very eager to move very quickly uh, particularly when I was younger and again sit in your hands so you know I, my, my my kind of story in chess really kind of started there and, and I suppose ended early enough I was 14 really when I stopped playing at a, I, I, I played at a very serious level I suppose uh, um, I played for my country uh, for Ireland, that is. Uh, uh, just in case my accent didn't give me away. Uh, but <laughs>
1: <That's>
0: <laughs> I, nice. yeah, yeah, and it was. I mean, it, it, it was it was amazing how a simple. Well, it's not a simple game at all, but a game like chess for someone, you know, um, for someone like me to be able to be on an international platform for a little while uh, was was amazing for for young people. And and I think you know her legacy within school was. Um, is astounding so many uh, people uh, became you know uh, all Ireland champions um I, I, I in their youth and some carried on into adulthood Um so I mean I suppose I was lucky in a way that much like that priest with the table tennis we, we had the equivalent for the chess and it's how I got into it but things I suppose since I stopped playing chess I stopped playing chess around 1993 kind of seriously and then kind of stopped playing completely until i went to college really and in that space of time the game completely changed and in some ways um i suppose um i think the internet has revolutionized the game really i mean before we we uh had a before i switched on to this interview for example i played a quick couple of bullet games in chess i i never heard this didn't exist back in my day um like how is chess different nowadays than let's say when i was at
2: the peak of my career. Yeah, I I can take this one. Mm. So I suppose like we ourselves, I suppose we're not the the most fantastic chess players in the world. Um, But from speaking to players who have played across like that era of like the 90s did the internet kind of like fully came mainstream into the 2000s. Like a lot of people would say that like it has revolutionized because suddenly now you can can train, you can, you know, the, the recording of games, the analysis of games is much easier with on a laptop or a computer. And also, you're able to play tournaments much more quicker, easier um, online as well. So like, I would imagine the, the standard of chess and uh, the broadness and the scope of chess has increased because the internet has made it more, more available. Like, so I think you're, like you're getting chess players now coming out of maybe some, what might call non-traditional countries um, mm. to, from before, like India now has many grandmasters, which they might not have had before. Mm. Uh, and a lot of that can be done to the, to
0: the internet yeah yeah absolutely and and it seems to be um i i was telling you earlier before we hit the record button that the reason i stopped really in a way was because chess wasn't cool uh when 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 i was playing it but it, it became it became cool and young people a lot more young people kind of play it and and they don't see it as this kind of outcasty kind of thing like how what what do you reckon has changed that I suppose
1: there might be uh I think references in of chess and pop culture is is huge. You know, movies, books, songs, the those references are, you know, that it's more visible. It's a sign of intelligence or, or higher order thinking. You'll often have, you know, it might be uh Kings or an X Men, you know, Professor X and, and Magneto, they're playing a game of chess at the end in a plastic set in a plastic cell mm-hmm. and you know, they're they're speculating on on the future. But it's it's a, uh, you know, Harry Potter. Just it's it's so. I suppose the more there's way more screen time now, mm. viewing more movies and and TV shows that they they're, they're seeing it, reading more books. There's probably more books available now than the you know the way libraries are set up in schools and mm. that they they're hearing and, and and seeing it more. So that's that's definitely going to contribute to to the the awareness that of chess and let's have a go. You know, I think schools then accessibility of chess tournaments is another you know yeah. back in the day I, you know the, the bus might have been once a year you go on your school tour and whereas now there's now it's now it might be going the way the diesel prices of buses at the moment uh it's it could be going back that way but the the chess tournaments and access to them and that's that's i mean it is where we come in mm-hmm. uh, in trying to provide that where we give them that out children that outlet to represent their school and uh, and play other schools at tournaments.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, it's it's it, it's it's interesting. All right, um, you know, because at some ways, I mean, like I think we mentioned earlier on, like GAA and soccer and um, even rugby now to a point in some in some school in some places, you know, are are massive uh, in schools. And you know, you hear you hear the odd school playing chess, but I, I suppose it's not. I don't know. It's been and it's been around for many many years. But you don't hear about it as often. I mean, obviously, I mean, you know, you, you know, between with GAA and all the rest of it. But would you say there's many schools playing chess? You, I mean, given your position there in Fiddle, um you probably know how many two schools are playing chess. Are there a lot?
2: Yeah, in, in Ireland currently, like the numbers are growing. Like it's very much, um, it's very much developing at the moment. Like say we had the last time we had face-to-face tournaments. We mm-hmm. had about 210 schools around Ireland uh, wow. playing, but there's more than that playing as well. You know, like so. Even before Phil were set up, there was other kind of um, initiatives. There was um, there, back in the early 2000s, there was um a, a chess league all around Ireland, funded by the ESB, and the the prize was a, a trip to Disneyland. Wow, and that was very very attractive. A school in I think in Stratham National School uh, did really, really well out of it. Yeah um so they went off to Disneyland I think, maybe twice even um, then there was other initiatives like chess for all um and this was uh, this was kind of a curious one in that it was funded by an anonymous benefactor ah. um, but it was led by two kind of by chess um chess enthusiasts as well Michael Crow and Morris Buckley and they gave a lot of free chess sets to schools so like even nowadays we ask you know we talk to teachers in different parts of Ireland and they say I'd love, to do your, you know, your, I'd love to do your course or get your resource or whatever. Um, we some, somehow, for some reason, we've got a lot of chess sets in the school. I don't know where they came from. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, there's a legacy to some of these initiatives from the last 20 years. Yeah. Uh, and there's other initiatives like Chess Ed and the Leinster Schools Chess Association. Alex yeah. Beborn in Dublin does a lot of chess coaching and then Moves for Life. Um, it, does, it promotes chess, chessosity in Galway. Um, as well as that, there's a really cool tournament in the Midlands, kind of in Newtown Forbes. In, mm-hmm. I think it's County Longford. And it's, a, it's called the Brian Column Memorial Tournament. Uh, and they get 500, I think it's even more now, or 600 pupils in one hall one day. I think, I don't know how many schools are involved. Uh, it's huge chess run for primary schools all around that kind of region as well. And like those schools, we wouldn't even count those schools in our kind of face-to-face. Um, so the numbers are definitely growing. I would estimate maybe there's 400 schools, you know, really promoting chess around Ireland. Uh, so that's 400 of maybe. 3000 primary schools in Ireland um so it's definitely growing um that's
0: amazing and I, I know that, that surprised me I mean I, I if, if you had told me to guess how many schools are playing chess like I would have thought 100 maybe tops but that's amazing was, sorry I was laughing when you said Straffan um were, were, were the victors in that term they were one of our our big enemies back in the day in the in the 80s they're still they're still obviously going strong uh which is which is good to hear um gosh uh I, I wonder, um, or, or any of the people that I used to play around, and then keeping the flame, uh, the flame, the uh, burning. But um, I, I forgot to ask you, and probably the most important question I should ask you is: What's uh, tell us about Fihil, Where did it? Where, uh, when did you start? And uh, what's it about? You know, I mean, obviously about chess, but um, how do people get involved in Fihil? um Yeah, I suppose to start from the beginning.
1: We uh, in in Wexford, my first experience would have been with Chess Z, which was John Alfred's league, mm-hmm. and that was a, a four-play four, and schools would travel to each other and would be set up. And then in Cork, came down, started joining those leagues as well. And myself and Liam actually met at uh Munster Championship, ran by John Alfred. He ran it in for the for the schools who who uh, progressed mm-hmm. it was held in a dare in a hotel, and we uh, we met there. Liam said. He was coming down to Cork. We said we were kind of uh, looking to to uh, work with John to try and create uh, a more centralised format to to allow schools easier access because the travelling school one school travelling to another school for game of chess isn't sustainable. You know, it just it wasn't going to work. So we uh, formed in in 2017. We had four tournaments in Cork. We had 38 schools. Uh, we called ourselves right. <laughs> Only a teacher, Only a teacher could come up with a name uh, <laughs> like that. And so it just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Fithilbunskal <laughs> <laughs> a Um And we aligned with the school calendar, um, a structure that works for schools. And then we changed that then up to teams of eight. So constantly, so the more teachers came on board, uh, in your, of course, starting in Cork, so we're all car teachers and it was really focusing on the, on the Cork County. Mm. Uh, we, we decided that we'd go with eight rather than four, that eight, two teams of eight, and that's enough for, you know, possibly a minibus or 24 mm. or 32. And, you know, at the time as well, when I started as a principal, the, the lifts was becoming, lifts from parents was under question, you know, is it, yeah. is it, is it okay to have, you know, 10 cars driving to GA matches and, you know, so the, we're trying to facilitate the minibus there mm. uh, and buses. And then the tournaments are, you know, the non-competitive nature, which I suppose is almost counterintuitive in chess. Uh, in, you know, it's, it's, it's direct competition with the person, with your opponent sitting directly across from you. But when you add the team element to it and the day out where the school, the children and the team are going to represent their school, uh, it's not a league. They go to one day and, you know, we, we try to make it as hassle free as possible for schools to enter. So how do we do that? Well, again, we made the teams of A trying to facilitate the bus. We select venues that were 30 minutes. So all the schools that we'd amalgamate together
0: mm-hmm.
1: re- by a region and we'd pick a hall, it could be GA hall, community hall. Or, we'd, or schools that we knew were Greenfield site schools, a lot of the newer schools have these fabulous halls built on. Mm. And we so that no school had to travel more than 30 minutes so That's that good. they could leave, come into school, get the bus, be at the venue 10 o'clock, four hours, and then on the bus and home for half two in time for home time. And that made it a lot more attractive for schools uh, to enter. We created two, uh, sections then we had a buds budding masters and a master section so we could buds for short and the cost to enter was approximately five euro per student that covered cost of the venue if we had to rent a venue like a, a oh, halls yeah. and or hotels if we didn't have the school mm-hmm. uh, the boards the website insurance you know just a general association uh organizational pieces and then mm-hmm. a chess arbiter uh john alfred kindly uh came on board and, and he acted as arbiter and we've over time, we've added additional arbiters to, to judge it, and that's a that's a a skill to be yeah. able to run off. I'm sure you know yourself, Simon, from from being at tournaments. But when you've 160 to 200 kids all playing together, and yeah. you've a school that you know everybody started, and then you've round one is already on the go, and there's one school that the bus got held up. And yeah. Now they arrive in, and they've got uh, they're missing two the fellas that the names that they had sent in, and you got to change the names because they have two subs. And that's, they're joining uh, in in round two and you're trying to feed it into the computer. So the arbiters, they earn the money. You know, it's, it's a real skill to be able to deliver that.
0: Absolutely. So that every game is, you know, at least um, as evenly matched as possible, you know, depending on, you know, over time, you know, that, that that's uh, if I remember correctly, that's how it tended to work uh, back in my day that you, you weren't you were trying to not to mismatch, you know, complete. Beginning. Exactly you know ones that are that are that are further down the road um it's it's great to i mean hear that some names that you've been saying like john Alfred and, and people like that who who do ring uh ring bells in my head from my from my memory uh, i mentioned my own chess teacher april uh I, I think liam you you um know um april Cronin and um you know i i mean how influential do you think you know she's been because i know obviously in my own um school she was deeply influential for the school but i think since then, she spread her wings and is um, responsible for a lot of chess in school. So that be right. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Uh, I was lucky enough to come, enough to come across April uh, while teaching in Dublin. Um, and I knew her school was a chess school in the Avenue because mm-hmm. they even had chess pieces on their crest. Uh, which, which is obviously a dream for all of us, uh not they, to, <laughs> to, to do that? But um, yeah, no. Ch- uh, April was principal in in Dunlour Avenue, and she retired a few years ago. And since then, she's able to, I suppose, devote some more time um, to chess. So, like, she wrote a forty lesson coaching manual for anyone who's interested in setting up a chess chess lessons a chess club. She has like it's it's like almost like a, a bible of what you what you should do and what you should not do in a chess club. Um, um, she's printed that recently. In, in I think it was 2019. Uh, I was at a chess conference. Uh, yes, uh, those things are real as well. Chess conferences. <laughs> in, there's a chess and education conference in London, and she actually delivered um, uh, one of the main speeches there. Around the theme of the conference was women in chess, because uh-huh. chess sometimes has an issue about you know getting kind of I suppose a healthy balance of male and female participants. That's so right. she spoke about her experience. She's a as well as being a primary school principal she's a, a former uh, uh, irish women's chess champion as well so she's like expertly placed and yeah. like when you mentioned her way to go like the one word that we use a lot um, and it applies to april you know she's one of the first people to i suppose to be pioneering it is she is the gold she's the gold standard you know in terms of like how yeah. do you bring an initiative into a school yeah. it has to live there through the teachers you know so like from very early on with phil we were talking about you know can we create a network of coaches am i going to schools you know make these available to schools and very early on we realized like that will like when the chess coach leaves the chess leaves with them yeah. whereas if a teacher is in the school like you said they're taking every every opportunity every wet break every golden time on a friday to play a bit of chess and to bring it into the class and that lives through them then and um, so april was doing that from very early on another yeah. example in straffen was Jack Hennigan, a good Cartman as well who you would have come across I think yeah um so there's loads of these teachers um who've been like you know bringing chess into their school um and April was one of the first and as a female um as well she's been kind of I suppose a role model uh, for others and obviously the Queen's gambit is one uh you know she's she's the the version of that uh, maybe before course <laughs> time um but um yeah no she's been fantastic and she's she's constantly I suppose offering herself as a as a tutor as a mentor she's doing online chess courses during the lockdown she was teaching teachers how to play chess as well and Mm. to bring chess into their schools so like she's uh, she's constantly I suppose um, getting chess out there amongst the education kind of uh, population
0: that's it yeah yeah I mean I know when she uh, left uh, my school at Stratford and uh, became uh, the principal in and the yeah chess kind of died in the school and you know the uh, you're right I mean I, I can remember um, early finishing. Uh, you know, when you're in, in, in a classroom and you're you have your early finishing sheets probably in some box or something like that. Our early finishing boxes, chess sets. You know, you just played chess or did chess puzzles. You know, um, that was that was pretty much all that was available to you. And no matter what class you're in, and you actually wanted to finish your maths work or your English work, so you get in a game of chess with someone who else was finished early. So I mean, it, 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 I think you're right. Um, bringing in kind of outside coaches is grand. And I mean, I would see that, you know, for any sport really in the school, um, like even in GAA, if you bring in your outside coaches, the kids will be playing the GAA for, you know, for, for the weeks that the coach is in, but when the coach goes and you don't have a, you know, kind of a tradition of it, you know, they don't play it anymore. But if you have a teacher in the school, that's into the GAA, big, big GAA person, similarly you know the school can um you know really thrive in that so i think that's fair um i, I want to i mean we've, we've talked about chess in general but we haven't this is what i'd like to move into is really chess and pedagogy or an education really in a way because i think in some ways um i think stereotypically people say that chess is great for the mathematical brain but i personally i think it's more than that um i i don't think it's I don't think it's all to do with maths and um, despite it being a very you know it's a logical game and everything else you know where, where do you feel chess fits with the primary school curriculum
2: yeah so I suppose like um our our kind of tagline with fihl is we're a network of primary school teachers promoting chess for the social and cognitive benefits it has and like social is there uh, before cognitive for a reason um mm-hmm. Because like we see in our own practice, the benefits that chess has in terms of creating a platform for children of all abilities and all kind of backgrounds to interact with one another and mm-hmm. kind of develop certain social skills. So like looking at the research, because I, I did a kind of my master's dissertation on chess in primary schools. Uh-huh. Um, so like ch- chess and chess and math is kind of like the, the first thing people think of. And there's been lots of studies over the past maybe 50 years. But um, Salah and Gobe did a bit a meta analysis of 24 studies around chess and maths. And they found there was no significant improvement in math scores. Now, mm-hmm. that didn't stop. I think it was the European Chess Union petitioning the European Commission, the EU Commission, to say that chess is really good and it should be in all primary schools. That was based on a study yeah. in Italy uh, yeah. around some improvements in chess. So, like people were basically doing a, a standard maths test. 10 Weeks of chess lessons and another standardized uh, math test, and they're getting some improvements. Mm-hmm. But really, for us, we see like you know, the development of social skills as being you know much much better, uh, mm-hmm. much more beneficial for students. So, like my research, which was only like a dissertation, master's dissertation in one primary school, but the the quotes I was getting for children because it was child centered kind of a dissertation, they used phrases like it gets my brain working, but not mm-hmm. like maths, maths is boring, this is a different, yeah. um, and the, like it kind of reflected like the creation of a thinking culture suddenly thinking is valued so the idea of taking your time is a good thing the idea of not sitting in your hands that kind of impulse control message that's yeah. you know that's espoused true chess um and you know then we develop the lessons then around that so we've got 10 beginner chess lessons that go through each piece and each lesson like t- just teaches one piece and has a mini-game. So children are very hands-on, very, very early on in the lessons. It's yeah. not like how I, how I was taught years ago, here's all the pieces, best of luck. Uh, <laughs> we, do, we do it one piece at a time with a game. So it's very hands-on, very interactive, very sociable. Mm. But as well as, the, that, as well as that with each lesson, each of the 10 lessons, there's one specific, I suppose, kind of social or cognitive skill attached to each beginner lesson also. So um, like when we're talking about the bishop, we talk about teamwork. When we mm. talk about the pawn, we talk about showing respect with eye contact. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's multiple ones that are on the website as well. Um, but that's where we really see the benefits of it. And we've kind of, we've matched now going through the, the SPHE curriculum from first class to sixth class. We've been able to point out like this lesson, which, you know, addresses the pawn and respect, ticks off these objectives of the SPHE curriculum. So like you can do 10 weeks of chess uh, with your class from first to sixth class, and you can be ticking off um, all these objectives from the SPHE curriculum, which are actually, in my experience, are difficult to actually take off the ones we were looking at, they're difficult to take off in, in your regular run of the mill worksheet. Talk mm-hmm. about emotions like the, my dissertation research kind of showed like the amount of, emo- of emotion that went down playing chess. Like, children were like hands in the head, <laughs> emotional, angry. It's, it's like a similar emotion you might get on a playing field with GA, mm-hmm. but like you can't stop up a game in the GA or a soccer game and be like, okay, let's talk about how you reacted there. Whereas, yeah. if, it's, if that emotion is occurring in the classroom you can actually twist that into a lesson around emotions very, very quickly. Yeah. Um, so it gives teachers a, a huge opportunity to, to bring that into their lessons and talk about that, some SPHE items there. So we see it as living in the SPHE curriculum. I know the SPHE curriculum might, might change in the next few years as well, but um, we think there's huge benefits there. And to be fair, teachers that do the summer course, take on the lessons, develop in their primary schools, they would agree uh, with all this as well
0: yeah and that's that's um, that's fascinating I, I I definitely again if you had said what curriculum subject do you think uh it, it is I don't think I would have chosen SPHE but it absolutely makes sense and I love uh the idea of the bishops and teamwork given you know what I know about the you know the the, the bishop on the white squares the bishop on the back squares having to, to team up to uh to 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 uh, get uh, to get the win or whatever it might be um I um I'm, I'm kind of um I suppose interested as well just um, in the fact that you mentioned outside of SPG, there is more of the social skills and and, and cognitive skills. And, um, and you know, I, I often hear, and I, I, don't, I don't know whether I buy it um, particularly, but when it comes to, um, I suppose, children that might struggle with um, social skills or might uh, have an additional need of some sort, often you hear, and I don't know if this is stereotyping, and that's why I'm kind of, uh, in a way, hesitating to ask it, but... At the same time, it is a question, it is something that people say that uh, chess can be quite a good way of working with children who find um, social skills difficult, um, who may um, have you know, particular um, difficulties in, in, in certain areas that are not academic particularly, but more behavioral, um, let's say. Is there, is there any research into that, Liam, or maybe, Damon, I don't know which, which of the two would, would know more about this?
1: Research-wise, maybe Liam, but uh, I suppose from my own observations, uh, my own chess club and my own school, uh, I'd have, I would see how uh, all children, like when we talk about additional needs, you've got additional needs, I've got additional needs. You know, just it's all there's all one area of challenge that we could we could do working on. Mm. And I think the children, you know, the Liam touched on some of them there, the impulse control, but the biggest one for me would be. You know learning to lose and and building resilience and all children like that that that's a need that can affect some children more than others and yeah. so for some children if losing a game could be could be a meltdown yeah uh, for others for others it could be storming off it could be taking it out later on the soccer tackling a fella hard out in the yard mm-hmm. later on so the learning to lose in chess is is enormous you know so you're we're looking to build resilience determination that, that persistence Uh, just a tenacity to continue playing you know and even in the tournaments when we hold the tournaments the team of eight we send a sheet we provide a sheet for the teachers on after the tournament not on the day we don't announce winners on the day but when they go home a couple of days later we email the results to the teachers and we have advice and guidance for the teachers on how to talk through the results with Mm. the pupils the following day in school and they can analyze the data from the rounds focus on aspects like how all eight players no matter uh, how small determine the finishing place and as is often the case in the tournaments sometimes there's only one point between the winner half a point a stalemate it could be a tie break where the computer has determined that this school finished their their checkmates quicker than the other school or had different opponents so when the when the teacher is relaying that they can say Look at Mary. She lost five games in a row. Yeah, and she drew her last game, and that that could make, could have made the difference. But you're you're showing how, and and they do. They, I've done it myself. They, those children, they're beaming from mm. from their participation element of it. Mm. Um, I think from additional needs and social skills in general. From a more in depth analysis, Liam, have you anything from your studies that you'd offer on that?
2: No, there, there's quite a big gap, I suppose, in terms of like chess and social skills. You know, I mentioned the meta-analysis that Salah and Gobe completed. Um, they mentioned like, you know, it's not significant in terms of maths and chess. Yeah. But and they, but they concluded, but there might be some soft skill development. So like, as if it was kind of beneath the academic uh, maths um, skills. So um, there's, a, there's a huge area. So if anyone's listening to this and wants to do a research into chess and social skills, the field is wide open for you. But in terms of, I suppose, additional uh, needs in a school, like chess provides that platform. Like you think of a child on the yard, the guy who's like, or the girl who is skulking by the edge of the, of the, of the playing area, cannot initiate conversation, cannot initiate, like, I want to play the game you're playing. Mm -hmm. Chess kind of sets it up for them. It gets them past that first round. So like they might be playing someone, but like in in our chess leagues, we might have a lunchtime, a lunchtime chess league in my school, say. Mm -hmm. um. That, that student might be sitting across from someone else who's very outgoing, bubbly. They might exactly be having a conversation the first few weeks, but they'll be, they're playing alongside other people. So they're having shoulder-to-shoulder conversations with other people on other boards, looking at you know, looking at other, other games, ch- trying people side-by-side. Side. And over the weeks, they develop, they get into the rhythm of like, okay, here's how we kind of start off the game. Here's the conversation we have. And then in terms of other a- additional needs, like the res- my research actually focused on certain children with with autism mm-hmm. uh, and the the platform provided them with a lunchtime chess league like just one day a week even like kind of maybe at Wednesday or Thursday yeah it provided students with that kind of that kind of quieter environment you know like some of these um, some children you know they don't like the loud um messiness the chaotic nature of the playground whereas chess the chess league is ordered it's functional they know what they're doing they know what they expect and it can give them a, a nice kind of I suppose a break from that kind of constant um out of the air to everyone for themselves kind of i suppose approach yeah. and then like as well as that i mentioned like you know not just autism but like i've been in schools where there's been a child who's been receiving support um, from junior infants you know english maths and so on and they took on chess in maybe fourth or fifth class and suddenly through their own hard effort and i suppose the desire in some part to show like i'm actually a lot smarter than everyone thinks because you know yourself when it comes to the senior classes Certain, you know, children will get into their head like a certain ladder of ability in a class. They know where they're up. No one's going to say it. It's mm. kind of like the hidden curriculum yeah. in a school. But they know where they are in the, in terms of ability. And they yeah. have certain preconceptions of people who might be extracted for support or receiving support in class as well. They all can see what's going on. But yeah. like this, this this child and many more as well, besides them, they were on the chess team. They were the best chess player in the whole school. And yeah. suddenly everyone else, the, the best maths uh, people in the class were like, wait, he's like, you know, he's really good at chess. Like there's, there's more here than, than what mm-hmm. we're thinking. It's not so linear. It's a bit more multifaceted than we're thinking. So it, it gets children to rethink in terms of ability and disability and so on as well. So it's been really positive from that kind of point of view in developing a school culture,
0: I suppose. That's brilliant. It's really, really interesting to kind of get those sort of perspectives, you know, uh, um, you know, people's talents, you know, you do you do hear um, of schools where, you know, there are certain certain things are, are are let's say in the pecking order of, of, of life in a school are, are more important than others. So being good, being the best at English, being the best at maths, being the best at spellings, being the best at football, being the best, but um but then you know being the best at chess as well, you know, why 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 would that also not be something to be championed as well? But to, but just the idea that you know again that's something that you know you don't necessarily have to be good at maths you don't necessarily have to be good at, at, at uh, anything else at all to be good at chess so I think there's a, a in a way um, a stereotype out there that chess is only for clever people let's say and uh, uh and I mean clever in inverted commas it's the academically gifted or whatever it might be And I think in some ways maybe it was targeted to that uh, maybe back in my day and I, I it's good to see it being democratized now and that anyone can play chess uh to to any to any level and you don't as you as you were both saying that you know you don't consider yourself, I'm sure you're you're much better than you're saying that you know, that, that you are, but you know, you don't have to be a grandmaster to you know to be to, to be in, to be able to enjoy the, the game, but also to play it very well. And you forgive me again reminiscing there, you uh, I don't know, um Damon, you were mentioning you know the idea of being able to lose. Uh, being such an important skill. and something I teach my own little man at the moment, uh, my own son. But uh, I remember that was one of the lessons, again, that we were always being taught at the end of a game, always shake hands, no matter how angry you feel, no matter how bad you feel, your job is to shake hands and say, well done. And that's a really, it's amazing how something as simple as that is such an important uh, life skill, you know, because, you, you know, outside of, uh, uh, even outside of the chessboard, you're going to get disappointed in life. And to be able to accept that is, um, and I, I'd like to think maybe, I'd like to think chess maybe taught me how to not be a spoiled brat. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe not, I don't know. So Tammy, you are running some summer courses around Ireland and uh, th- this year, uh, one in uh, my my school actually in Carnot, but uh, I believe you're everywhere around the, the country. Uh, can you tell us uh, a, a little bit about the, the summer course that's coming up?
2: Yeah, i might just come in there, which is one other point to talk about in terms sure. of the social skills. Um, so like the 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 model of like teachers teaching, like teachers come to the chess to the summer courses, and teachers come to the summer course and they they've never played chess before. Some of them half mm-hmm. have, usually half haven't, and they learn you know how to uh, how to play chess during the course, and then they also learn like if they want to go back to their school and develop this, they can take take these lessons and here's the resource and here's the videos and here's the powerpoints and they're all set up. And then they, they, our model then, I suppose, is they follow through with the lessons in terms of teaching chess. They might teach a group, an SAT group or a classroom group or even multiple groups. And then the idea is that they build their children up to coming to this chess tournament because, you know, we might say kind of informally, you're not a chess player unless you play in a chess tournament. So like you're <laughs> building yourself up for this um, in terms of a school. And like the, this tournament in itself then is all developed in terms of, I suppose, social skills like so the children as you mentioned there's children with additional needs who might never represent a school in terms of soccer or rugby they never get to wear that school jersey yeah um they now wear this week we encourage schools we tell schools put on the school jersey you're in the school chess team and mm-hmm. it's fantastic to see a hall full of maybe 160 pupils all wearing their school chess jerseys or their school jerseys when otherwise they might not have and then yeah. in terms of like losing and accepting defeat and all that the tournament is very kind of it's very well organized in terms of the first round, everyone plays six rounds of chess during the chess during the day, over mm-hmm. four hours or so. The first round is all kind of randomised. That's fine. So, like, Simon, you might play Damien, and then Simon, you might win, and Damien might lose. In the next game, Damien will play someone who also lost their game. Yes. And Simon, you'll play someone who also, lost, who also won their game. So after five or six rounds, if you keep winning your game, Simon, you're going to keep on playing more and more people who are, you know, have won more and more games. Mm-hmm. And the idea, the idea behind that is, you know, we want you to experience defeat <laughs> like it's almost uh, you know uh, a bad thing in itself but we, we also we also want damien to experience some success during the day and mm-hmm. we also get we, we often get people children coming over to tournaments saying you know i won a game of chess you know that's that, that they played six they want me really to mention that but like i won a game of chess or i drew a game of chess like against someone else from another school so like they're it's all set up in that kind of manner um but then go on to the summer courses. This year is our, is our biggest year for summer courses ever. So it started off, I started off when I was in Kildare in 2016, just doing one summer course in Kildare. And the following year, I kind of did Navin in Kildare. And then Damien. I got Damien, convinced Damien to do a course in Cork as well. And suddenly it's kind of grown from there. Uh, we had nine courses, I think, in 2019. Uh, they've all been canceled, I suppose, since the face-to-face okay. ones. We did some online courses last year, which was a lot of fun trying to teach chess uh, through Zoom last summer. <laughs> But um, and then this year we've gone back to the face-to-face course. So we've got 26 venues around mm. Ireland. So it's it's now uh, I suppose a, a nationwide um event. And as you said, um, your 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 school is going to host uh, a course through Carlow edu- uh, Education Center. Um, right. And it's actually it's actually full up already. Um, so 20. it booked bu- booked out 25 pe- uh, people. Just I think it was last week actually. So it was only available for maybe two or three weeks, and oh, it's okay. uh, it's completely full out. No. For anyone who's in the Carlow area, there's also a course in Kilcullen in, in Kildare and Kilkenny and uh, Gorey as well, and Waterford. So there's loads to go around and there's a map on our on our Twitter page. There's a map there as well, if people want to check that out. But the course itself is very kind of, I suppose, very inclusive in terms of, you know, we get emails from teachers saying, I've no idea how to play chess, but I like, I really like, you know, my friend did this in the school and it's really, it's gone done really well. Can I come? And anyone who who's never seen a chessboard before can rock up to the course, yeah. Uh, and if you know, if they, they'll they learn the lessons like anyone else. And during the week, then they'll learn the lessons for the first few days. Day four is like a tournament, within the within the course. And then last year, it's actually a, um, a result of the Zoom courses we did last year. We did like a because we had sixteen Zoom courses last year. Yeah. We actually did like an online tournament with all the with all the courses on the on the last day, and that was mm-hmm. loads of fun. So we're actually going to try and do that again this year as well. Then so. We're going through the kind of the fiddle model of like you know you learn chess in your in your school in your course. Yeah. You play like an in an in-house tournament in your within your course, and then you go and represent your, your course area against other courses, and you get the feeling of the the approach uh, in its in its in its entirety.
0: Oh, that sounds amazing! Gosh, I'm delighted. I'm delighted to hear it's uh, it's sold out as well. Uh, I to, I'll put the broadband uh, on then for the for the inter uh, <laughs> uh, uh, championship there. That sounds that sounds absolutely brilliant. Listen, we're probably uh, gosh, we've spoken for quite a long uh, time on this, and I've I've really enjoyed it. And I probably ask you loads of. I have a, a good few other questions here, but I don't think we're. I think we're. Uh, we have got a really good flavour. It but. One thing I always ask people on this uh, show is that if they were the minister for education, what would be one thing they would do if they were basically given a benign dictatorship and anything they said one day would happen in schools? Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be a chess. So I'm going to ask both of you the the same question. So if you were the minister for education, what is the one thing you would do? And I'm going to start with you, Liam, because I, I always ask principals first, but I'm going to go with the teacher first.
2: That's not a problem. Um, thanks very much. Um, so I suppose, uh, yeah, I was kind of I, I, from listening to the podcast, I kind of knew this question was coming. All right. <laughs> um, so I suppose in the in the theme of of Fihil, um, we've been able to like we're only, we're only primary school teachers ourselves and primary school principals, and you know we're just a volunteer network of primary school teachers. We've had great support from education centres. You know, like they're doing loads of fantastic work. Very very supportive from where we go in Kildare and then in Cork and all other, all over Ireland as well. Um, um, we also got funding from what's called the Teacher Professional Fund, oh, which, yeah. is a, which is administered through uh, Dublin West Education Centre. And there's a few other kind of networks of teachers, like the, the Irish Primary PE Association, I guess, get funding through as well. So, like, these kind of networks. But, like, we had to, I suppose, we had to do a lot of work ourselves, and we've been very lucky. We found teachers who have expertise in making a website and making videos, and we've kind of pulled them into our kind of our board of directors and our network and... You know, that's what's really kind of taken off uh, for us. But I think, like, the knowledge is within the teaching community. Um, and, like, I'm not talking about chess now. I'm talking about, like, other areas that teachers want to be experts in and share their knowledge and share their excellent practice. Mm-hmm. But it, I think it would be fantastic if there was um, a set-out model for, you know, okay, you want to be – you want to share your – you have been teaching, you want to share your expertise. Here's a model here's someone to help you with the website here's someone to help you with the videos here's how can we get teachers to share and like we're, we're always talking about teacher professional communities mm. um, but if there's a, a, a ready-made kind of template for doing that and support to help teachers to share their knowledge um because I think unfortunately like sometimes we're, we're very kind of siloed in yeah. our knowledge and we want to keep it to ourselves and even in our schools sometimes we want to keep keep stuff to ourselves but I think open the doors and one thing one way to do that is to to create like a system whereby um you know teachers are supported to develop and share the knowledge broadly uh, across in the education centres do a great amount of work with that as well uh, mm. but that's one thing I would I would love to see that kind of innovative piece uh, that teachers have but that they're supported to be innovative
0: yeah no that's that 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 makes a lot of sense I mean I think um and I don't know if you'd agree with me Damien on that one that. In some ways, principals were, were quite lucky that there we have, you know, organizations like the IBPN who create those support networks. And really, I take for granted that I know I have that support group. I have a few support groups, but uh, definitely when I was teaching, I was I was teaching for uh, about a decade before I became principal. You were on your own a lot of the time. You had your colleagues, I suppose, but outside of your colleagues, unless, you know, you went on courses, you, you didn't really meet other teachers so I, I think that makes a lot of sense I know they're available like these t- I, they were called TPNs back in my day so they've obviously I had these teacher professional networks um and I assume they're still going but I, I think a better a bigger push uh, does make sense um so thanks for that Liam what about you Damien what would you do um if you had the if you had the ministry?
1: yeah I think and uh like you've touched on there with the IPPN and the networking you know it's it's I'm part of a couple of different networks as well and and they're essential you know they're, they're just that the the support to be able to knock something even to vent or to, to pick ideas or even the networking lists that the ippn have i checked i'm checking that every week you know mm-hmm. search a question school garden that's what we're looking at at the moment going in you're getting all the different ideas so yeah absolutely essential uh for me uh what would i change i suppose it'd be to provide proper you might see this coming simon equitable support for teaching principles now i don't want to come across self-serving being a teacher.
0: <laughs>
1: teaching is a vocation and an immensely rewarding way to spend uh, one's working life and leading a school community i think is the same equally rewarding yeah
0: and
1: the majority of schools are hugely positive environments in which to work you know i love my job all of it even even the rocky bits love it all yeah the issue though for me is the volume and the time and if, when i say volume it's admin isn't it you know yeah. all the all that extra stuff that takes from the leadership and the teaching aspects of the job. So perhaps you know you can see it impacting on teaching principals, leaving schools, or stepping back, or, or even the ability to step back is so difficult.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh,
1: difficulty getting staff to act up to the roles or simply even stress. They're all the warning signs yeah. of of a of a a role in crisis. You know, and the pandemic then showed what the, what the department can achieve. Like the department have to be commended and how they stepped up to the plate around mm-hmm. the pandemic, the extra money where it was needed. You know banking of hours cover for COVID absences the you know hard fought one day a week for teacher principals into ippn you know over a decade uh, campaigning for that and so so appreciated and i think so if i were minister for education i could support teaching principals by continuing to develop you know real real and creative solutions to ensure the sustainability of the role, mm-hmm. and to ensure the quality of the combined role of teaching and learning, and leading is improving rather than being compromised. Maybe by creating a system where teachers could, you know, if they're able to up the to date to thirty six, could it be possible to job share? Could work alongside the teaching principal? Do you know, what that would be would provide massive continuity for mm-hmm. the children in the teaching principal's care. Yeah. Better step back facility. I know you've, I know you have a full podcast on it yourself, Simon. I've listened to it before. Okay. Um, so that's, you know, just continuing to, to have that role. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Role. And I think, I think since I've recorded that uh, episode, I actually recorded a couple of episodes on teaching principalship because it's an area, despite not being a teaching principal anymore, I started off as one. And I remember um, the day before because i actually became an admin principal in the middle of a year and um, because my my school is a developing school yeah. and so on the 30th of september i was to become an admin principal one year and i remember like the relief um i felt I, I, but it, equal to the relief i i have to say i did feel a bit of a sadness because I, I i was to stop teaching and um and so i mean there is that balance of course because because we all go into the job because we love teaching uh, and then all of a sudden uh you, when your school gets big enough or it you stop teaching in a way and that that, that can that's quite a difficult transition but uh, since since as uh, i said recording a couple of those episodes on it and i did a big thing on small schools which which talked about it a lot um the i know there's uh, some really interesting work going on um i think the ippn again are leading a, a kind of a pilot project where they're getting schools around the country to team up to think of interesting ways to, I suppose, lighten the load. Um, I'm involved, uh, as, as I don't know if you know, in, in the National Principals Forum again. I do,
1: yeah. Yeah, did, fabulous organisations. Yeah, organizations,
0: uh. yeah who, who lobby, you know, who've been lobbying very hard. I think they had a good success as well, along with the other stakeholders in, you know, small, you know, these things like the, the one day a week for teaching principle, but also, you know, small schools. I know there were two, two uh, principals down your neck of the woods who were heavily involved in uh, getting... know um administrative principalship if uh for special classes uh opening up in small schools those those kind of things because the job has become very uh, you know deeply unsustainable i i you you know and we could talk about that for 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 a long long time forever Uh, forever. and and you know i i i I, but i suppose you know we it's a point well made and um and and we it's definitely something i think needs to be taken very seriously and because it is a job um, that's becoming more and more difficult. And um, you know, if you can't if you can't be doing your job, you won't be able to do nice things like you know run, run chess leagues and, and things like that because they're the things that possibly might keep you going in a way. And if you don't have yeah. the time to do them, it can be very difficult. It's one of the things I'd love to be able to do. And I'm an admin principal, and I uh, because the school got I, at some point I actually did start chess in the school, but I found as the school got really really big it was too much for you know it was it was impossible for, for, for me to, to to run and I keep promising that I'll get back to it. So I kind of feel my first step in that direction. We'll be running this summer course and hope some of my teachers will do it i hope they're signed up uh, <laughs> you know given they don't have to travel very far but they might get the love that i have and, and have regained for chess i've gone back playing um thanks to the internet uh, this chess.com uh, is providing me with you know all these uh, opportunities to play loads of different quick games and i'm really really enjoying it i think i might get back into kind of playing for real again maybe reclaim my my former glory but um, if people are interested in finding more about Fihil, um, where is the best place to find uh, you guys?
2: So, yeah, so we've got a, we've got a website called www.fihil.ie. That's F-I-C-H-E-A-L-L. And we've also got a Twitter page, which if you... So the website is actually being kind of redeveloped at the moment. So um, some of the stuff might not be updated. That'll be in the next few weeks. We've got a Twitter page, uh, which has a link to the, the, a map of all the summer courses in Ireland. So mm-hmm. if you click on that, you can follow that through to find the similar course that you want. And if you if in doubt, uh, just email email me at info at I n f o at dot e. Um and any teacher, anyone in a school really, um I've like that's one of the best things about my job is I get to speak to teachers from all over and, and they tell me what they want to do in a school and how they want to develop chess and their experience or, or lack of experience. So um I enjoyed speaking to anyone uh, I've had secretaries call um, email. I've had SNAs um, email about starting chess in their school as well. So uh, we'll we'll talk to anyone.
0: Brilliant, and, and thank you so much. And I, I mean, I think what I've learned anyway from from this uh, conversation really um, maybe has little to do with chess, but more to do what chess can do um, in terms of uh, of more than just a game. More, it's it's more of um, how it can uh, be a deeply uh, a social um, sort of way of uh, bringing schools together um whether it's and people within schools together or people outside schools together and 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 really um what a, what a super network it is it, it really and i got a chance to reminisce as well which was absolutely <laughs> fantastic so guys thank you so much um i just uh liam and uh damien from fithill.ie uh, are, are, are who i was speaking to and thanks so much uh for taking the time thank thanks you much, so much Damon. Brilliant. So there you have it. Uh, that is uh, this week's uh, interview with um, Phil.ie uh, talking about chess and where you might be able to do a summer course, as you heard Liam saying, just go to fithill.ie, which has been revamped, or go to their Twitter page. Uh, both those links will be on the show's notes, uh, which you can view. If you've enjoyed this episode, please um, subscribe uh, to If I Were the Minister for Education. It just helps other people find it more easy. I don't get anything out of it, uh, only maybe a few uh, more listeners. And if you have enjoyed the episode, please give it a five-star review. Uh, it also, again, helps other people to find it more easily. And uh, listen, that is it for... Uh, Uh, this week thank you so much uh, again to uh, Damien Liam for talking to me we'll be back again next week for uh, uh, a regular episode about something controversial no doubt Uh, thanks again for listening all the best bye bye